0: And I was like, you know what? Uh, if no one else is going to do this, then I'm going to do this. Like, I, w- I really want to see more representation in this. So in all of my stories from now on with Dungeons and Dragons, or like anything that I write that I touch, you know, mm-hmm. there will be representation. You know, women will have the power. There will be same-sex relationships. There will be trans, you know, heroes and all the kind of stuff that's blatant. We're not going to like a huge like focus focal point. They're just people in this world, like creating the world that I would like love to see more of, you know?
1: Welcome to Replay, the show that invites you to join us at the Game Table. I'm your host, Clara Mount. On Replay, we're building a more inclusive community by creating a space for underrepresented gamers and their allies to share their voice. We'll tell stories about our experiences and provide new perspectives that challenge our community to think differently about who we are and what we do. Replay is a Victor Media Group original. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. All right, today's guest is D'Angelo Murillo. He's a fourth-generation Mexican-American focused on bringing more representation to the gaming and geek communities. He hosts an awesome content site called Geek Life that I'll link down below in the show notes for anyone that's interested in checking that out. Um, and he features storytelling, journalism, interviews, and a ton of other gaming and geek-related content, so definitely fun to crawl through that. He's also very active on Twitch, where he does a lot of tabletop RPG charity events and other types of stuff. And and I. definitely have to hype this up because we're going to talk about it later he's also writing his own tabletop rpg called emerald templars um so we're going to hear more about that later today welcome to replay d'angelo
0: thank you for having me i'm super excited to be here oh my gosh
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you um so we're just going to jump right in the first segment is just gaming in general um because i like to get to know more about why people love games and yeah so we're just going to jump into that so d'angelo what is the number one reason in your opinion, that people should care about games.
0: Yeah, I feel uh, very strongly about video games and everything like that because, um, when I was younger, I personally found them extremely, extremely useful as a form of escapism. You know, to be able mm-hmm. to throw myself in, you know, uh, Ocarina of Time, uh, to throw myself into Final Fantasy and all these different games, and be able to uh, lose. So whatever was going on at school or at home or in, you know, whatever else other aspect of my life, as long as I can get into a video game, I felt safe and comfortable within that realm because I had control. and And uh, there are a lot of valuable lessons that can be taught through video game and storytelling uh, Mm -hmm. that can't be quite captured through novels or movies or anything like that. It's a very more, much more intimate experience, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah, that's why I love video games, yeah.
1: I love that, I love that. What makes it feel intimate to you?
0: I think it's the agency, you know, that that, Mm -hmm. like when you're watching a movie, Uh, Or you are like reading a novel you're a bystander like reading about this world or just watching and not able to do anything you can't change the outcome in any way. shape or form, but when you're playing a video game, the world doesn't move unless you move, you know the world doesn't change or anything like that unless you do something so the. So you have a lot of uh, just that agency and uh, you're the main character of the anime essentially where uh, (laughs) everyone is like looking to you for answers and they need your help and all that kind of stuff and it gives you that that sense of purpose, as uh, especially when it comes to RPGs like Dragon Age or Mass Effect, mm-hmm. where uh, these side characters have stories that could be explored if you take the time to do so, and you gain this like real affection for them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it feels a lot more intimate in that regard because like a movie might be three hours like at max, but then uh, a video game could be like, you know, 30 hours, 60 hours, you know, it, and you've spent so much time with these people. <sighs> And yeah, yeah. So that's why it's so much more intimate to me. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, you talk about long games. I just checked how much time I have in Destiny, and it's like 400 mm-hmm. hours. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> but but it it's, yeah. it is that intimacy, right? Like nothing happens if you're not there. So I, yeah. I love that. I love that. How did you first get into games?
0: Uh, Thankfully, my parents, when I, uh, we were younger, exposed to video games pretty early. I think it was probably a way to to get us off their back while they like made art or like did music and all that kind of stuff but they got us a super nintendo and we played like uh super mario brothers mortal kombat all that sort of stuff Uh, um love that yeah yeah i was able to play it like like did horrible i'm sure and then uh but it was still a fun experience to be able to see um you know these colorful images moving across the screen and doing all this like cool you know stuff and everything and uh and video games only got better as time went on as we got to like mm-hmm. the pokemon phase and to yes. like yeah and the rpgs and all that kind of stuff that's when it really took off for me so yeah
1: yeah well what are what are your favorite kinds of games now
0: um i will forever in a day uh hold a special place in my heart for rpgs because like mm-hmm. i i am a sucker for good storytelling in-depth characters and yeah. that growth and that like you know high fantasy sort of like um like end boss, end game sort of thing, uh, where you start off as a farm boy and then fight God by the end of it. Uh so it's <laughs> like it, those are always super, super like cool ones. But now that I'm like older and like a dad gamer, I'm enjoying uh like Apex a little bit more, like like mm-hmm. Battle Royales, like that. So you can get in and get out, and then also um uh anything that has a difficulty you know mode because as a dad gamer like i need to beat the game as fast as possible because i only have so much oh, time yeah. so easy mode is now because i used to scoff at easy mode you know and uh and be like you got to play the game the way that the designers intended for you to, t- to play it but now as a as a dad with limited time i'm just like nah, let's just get out of here and then <laughs> uh so to be able to eat chew through games essentially as uh is good but um yeah so roguelites battle royales and whenever I can, RPGs are still uh, my favorite when I get that good extended playtime. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, do you do you lean more towards video games than tabletop RPGs?
0: Uh, it depends. Like, like tabletop RPGs. Um, are always amazing because that's even like an even more level of intimacy than than video games because uh, you have creative control over that sort of whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But you also have to schedule with like, you know, six other people, five other people and everything like that. <laughs> so whenever we get to play tabletop RPGs, I'm always down for that, you know, but uh, when I can't do that, then I'll go to video games and uh and chill out there yeah
1: yeah like it's it's an accessibility and availability thing right the the Mm -hmm. dad gamer life
0: (laughs) exactly yeah thankfully thankfully my stepson loves video games as well uh, because i got him into it you know so now it's easier to be like yeah here here's a controller play minecraft dungeons with me and then he's like okay and then like we're just learning together and playing so it's like really really good
1: yeah Um, could you tell me about a gaming experience that was really, like, personally significant to you, and why?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things, uh, it would would have to go back to, like, World of Warcraft. So, it was right when Burning Crusade came out in 2014, I was very conflicted, um, as, as a, as a person, because I am fourth generation Mexican-American, I'm Chicano, so, and I have very dark skin uh, tone. So, in the Latinx community, uh, there's a lot of colorism that goes on, where the darker your skin, the lesser you sort of are, sort of thing, uh, which hit me really, really hard. Not only that, but I can't speak Spanish. So when I was in, and, and I'm in Arizona, so there's the the Hispanic population is is quite high and everything. So mm-hmm. when I'd be at school, it was that like like uh, identity crisis where I wasn't white enough for my white friends, and I wasn't like Mexican enough for my Mexican friends or anything like that. Uh, oh so I was God. this in between sort of thing, which is like where the escapism comes in. And all that, and uh, and there was a lot of things happening at home because my parents were were uh, like like struggling artists. They were getting better, but it required them to hustle like constantly, you know, um, mm-hmm. for everything. So I uh, was feeling super super down on myself because it was just like a weird place. Every teenager goes through this, you know, where they don't feel confident in their own skin yeah. as everything's changing around them and they're realizing more things about the world. But uh, World of Warcrafts when it came into my life. Uh, and I got to create my character as a like blood elf, uh, specifically like a holy paladin. Mm-hmm. I found myself in a new realm of possibilities of like friendships of all kind of stuff. So yeah. when I would play uh, like that game one it was a weird thing uh because i would <laughs> the only option for blood elves at that time were very light skin uh you know things so whenever someone wow. would see me they'd see immediately like light skin you know light skinned blood elf and then when uh a lot of people wanted to play with me because i was a holy paladin and everyone needed a healer for their parties for dungeons or raids and all that kind of stuff so because of those two uh or because of that, that specifically the holy paladin thing. Um, it got me exposed to a lot of people, and they like started bringing me on their ventrilo chats and their voice chats, and they started like really enjoying me, like just hearing my Aww. voice, and yeah, and and hearing like like, dude, you're funny, you know, you're really creative, I, I you know, you're awesome to be around, and everyone started like really like uh like just really liking me, and it was uh that validation that I never had before, you know, and yeah. it was like it was incredible because in the real world, people could see me and that they would make assumptions about me or they I would think they would make assumptions about me with my anxiety but in this game I was just a blood elf, you know, paladin who wanted to heal everyone and make sure everyone was cool and chill and that was the first time in my life that I ever found a positive uplifting community that wanted to talk to me was waiting for me to get on who like, you know, all that sort of Aww. stuff and these were people yeah, from all over the country and even the world and uh it like really hit home for me and yeah, so
1: good do you, do you feel like that changed your relationship with like games
0: uh yeah absolutely because before um like there was this really depressing uh the, i don't know why i always thought so deep about video games or life or whatever but it was always very depressing for me to like fall in love with the video game but then realize when the game was about to end that this world was very finite and there were like clear walls you know yeah. like in yeah uh legend of zelda i wanted to explore more relationships with uh, the different characters in there but i couldn't because they only had so many dialogue options you know and they yeah. they didn't have multiple choice like decisions it was just whatever they wrote was whatever you had to explore and that felt so like stiff and like uh limiting mm-hmm. so when mmorpgs came out it was this whole realm of possibilities because like yeah the world and the raids and all that kind of stuff were, were limited but the people who were playing it were not and you could like you know explore conversations do silly things or like do really hard quests and like cheer literally uh as we took down like you know a a raid boss yeah so it was uh it was a game changer for sure yeah
1: yeah it sounds like that kind of like kickstarted you into like this whole gaming community thing Mm -hmm. that that you've been so into
0: (laughs) oh absolutely yeah Yeah. because i even people that i played world of warcraft with uh back in like i want to say like 2011 or so uh i'm still friends with to this day and are now like Hiring them as artists for Emerald Templars and things I'm doing like into in various projects. So like oh, these cool. are lifelong friendships that that yeah, that uh, Happened during oh, that time. Yeah, I
1: love that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, what would what would you say now um, that gaming really means to you?
0: Um, it's it's that It's that safety net or whatever. So like again, Whatever's going on in my life, I know that I can uh, take a bit of time to just like lose everything and and get myself into a video game. Mm-hmm. I watched a TikTok, which is probably not like loses the validity like, validity of what I'm going to say. <laughs> but there was like a, like a Buddhist TikTok who had said that when you're playing video games, that's when you are like in a form of like meditation because you're not thinking about mm-hmm. the past. You're not thinking about the future. You're only focusing on the present. And that's really what it is, you know, when you're playing video games. Is that you yeah. kind of just like let everything go and just focus on, you know, uh the present. And that helps tremendously. Granted, I'm old enough and wise enough now to realize that um an abundance of escapism isn't healthy and I do have to put down the games to focus on the real world, but it's mm-hmm. always there. Uh, For me, like when I need that little quick break and all that kind of stuff and that uh, that connection with my friends, especially in the COVID, you know, uh, realm where physical interaction isn't something that can happen. At least we can meet up in a game and chill out and hang out, you know, so it's a it's it's incredible. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for getting us started with already like some really good stories. Um, so we're going to yeah. cut to uh, a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk more about like Latinx identities in the gaming world and uh, some more. So stay tuned. Hey, friends. I hope you've been getting some great stuff out of these episodes. If you like what you've heard so far, please check out our merch shop over at victormediagroup.co. Every purchase supports me personally, so I would love it if you cover your shit in my stickers. (laughs) Remember, you can nab a replay merch over at victormediagroup.co. And once again, thanks so much for joining us at The Game Table. So welcome back to Replay. We're here with D'Angelo Murillo, cre- creator of geek media site, thegeeklife.com, um, and we're going to kick things off with a conversation about Latinx identities in the gaming community. Um, so I know that a huge part of your personal mission is to improve Latinx representation um, in gaming spaces across the board, right? So what I, I want to know what experiences you've had that led you to that mission for yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, it's something that I've that I've grown up with and, and seen exposed to in, uh, a lot and have had a growth uh, through that time. So when I was younger and little and I became a geek like almost immediately because like like obviously, you know, when you see, not to not to downplay sports or whatever, but like when you see football or basketball or anything mm-hmm. like that, and then you see Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, like it's a clear winner of like, you know, what's cooler <laughs> in my opinion, at least. Yeah, so I like leaned heavily into... The fantasy realm sci-fi realm and all that kind of stuff but everywhere i looked when i saw um star wars or star trek or um lord of the rings x-men harry potter there was a lot of um like a lot of like white actors or white like like your main characters and everything like that and mm-hmm. if there were to be any uh latino sort of um representation they would normally be you know the side characters the criminals the the sexy spicy you know like latinas yeah. or whatever that that would be um like seductresses or whatever mm-hmm. and um and never ever sit right with me because I would um and again i w- went through a growth so when i saw that i was like oh well i am lesser than everyone else because of my my heritage and dark skin like uh people who are who are chicano or mexican-american don't become the president they don't become uh the hero of the story they don't become x y and z they don't you know they're not owner of companies making games like we are simply lesser than and that that you know it makes me feel like crap you know because of that yeah but then yeah. as i go- yeah, as I got older, my like sadness became anger and bitterness and I was like, you know what, uh, if no one else is going to do this then I'm going to do this like I, w- I really want to see more representation in this so in all of my stories from now on with Dungeons dragons or like anything that I write that I touch, you know, mm-hmm. there will be representation, you know, women will have the power, there will be same sex relationships, there will be trans, you know, heroes and all the kind of stuff that's blatant. We're not gonna like a huge like focus focal point. They're just people in this world, like creating the world that I would like love to see more of, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's something that that uh, has like resonated with a lot of people. And I'm thankful for that, that because pe- uh, before for I was scared because what I, I had like a toxic, uh friend group because i had low self-esteem you know it's like one of those mm-hmm. weird situations uh and they were like no one is going to like like this no one's going to want this like no one wants oh. to see this yeah and uh and the and yeah and it's like you just just don't try to rock the boat just what are you doing and uh um, and like I, I know and it always <laughs> would get me scared because i was like well these are my only friends and obviously i'm like like worthless so i'm so grateful for them to even be in my life but thankfully uh, it, it took a while, but finally I got the self-confidence to be like, no, this is not healthy at all. Like, I'm going to leave this group mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what I feel is is right, you know? So uh, even today, even though there's been improvements and um, uh, more... Latinos are getting into positions of power when it comes to gaming companies and all this sort of stuff uh, it's still not where it needs to be because even if you look to progressive games like Apex Legends which I love and adore um, mm-hmm. Loba is like a thief like uh, and then Octane is also like Chicano I, I don't know if he's Chicano he might be like uh, he's Hispanic and um, he's a, like a drug addict essentially and all of that oh. kind of stuff and that's not really healthy and then going over to Valorant uh, Reyna is like a murderous like sort of like you know mercenary sort of thing and then everywhere you go to video games there are always these hardcore criminals or side characters or villains you know Mm -hmm. even sombra from uh overwatch is a thief as well and like uh so it's very very weird sort of like um aspects of like what what big these big media companies are putting Mm -hmm. brown characters as in their video games you know Uh, like why can't we just blatantly be the hero without any sort of like you know whatever or uh, if we're in video games we have a super thick accent and constantly speak Spanglish and all that kind of stuff. And that's like that's not a good representation, like no. of it. Like you can kind of see, at least if you're in this like Hispanic community, you can kind of see which characters were written by white people, sort of thing, or like <laughs> white, you know, designers, because it's like totally wrong. And uh yeah. and yeah, so like. The more that I see that, the more I, I fall back on like no one is. This isn't going to change unless I try to help out and do something, you know, about this. So that's one of the reasons uh, that I I'm so about inclusion and representation because voices need to be heard, and uh, a lot of other people might not have the self-esteem or might not have the um, access or resources or confidence to be mm-hmm. able to stand up and be like, I want to change, you know, things. So I try to help by making platforms that people can come on and be able to to speak their piece you know yeah. uh, with their full chest about their culture and all that kind of stuff whether it be like latino or or anything else so uh yeah
1: yeah oh that's that's some really powerful stuff um do you feel so i know you're saying that like in in like latinx representation in like the games yep. is not great <laughs> to say the least um but what about on like the creator side what's the mm-hmm. I guess what what is your experience as a latinx creator yeah
0: yeah so um that's been something that's that's relatively not relatively new i, sh- I shouldn't say but um i'm finding like more power the more that i find like like uh, more confidence and everything because i mm-hmm. owe a lot to latinx and gaming uh who's this beautiful like a uh, community and group uh that are all about like uh inclusivity with- Mm-hmm. Um and everything. I before meeting them was in a place where I didn't have the confidence to say I was brown and proud, to say I was, you know, Chicano and all that kind of stuff and everything. And uh when I met them, they were extremely um like forefront about inclusion and the like we don't care if you're from Puerto Rico mm-hmm. or if you're from Cuba or if you're from Mexico or whatever. Like we're all a community, we're all facing the same oppression and same issues. So let's band together and help each other out by like looking at each other's resumes, reviewing things together and helping each other out and getting to see that you know that that changed my whole perspective and be like oh my god these people are so warm and welcoming like like finally i feel accepted in this community you know and i began to to feel uh pride in my heritage Mm -hmm. and culture that i never had uh, never did before um so being exposed by like uh, high-level creators who were in the game, who are in the game industry, making these changes, because uh, some of them are beholden to whatever the company wants, you know, so it's like, yeah. you know, you're in charge of doing this thing and only this thing, you know, but some people are actually making their own games and mm-hmm. are are trying to break the mold. And that's extremely inspiring to me because that gives me the confidence that that I'd be like, okay, it's possible, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't need to be a part of a AAA company. I don't need to like, you know, uh, there's, there's ways to do this, like with crowdfunding or with, you know, yeah. Uh, what have you it's possible you know so it's just gotta like pick up the pieces and go and do it sort of thing so yeah
1: yeah yeah That i mean especially what you're saying about crowdfunding and like access to resources yes. like i'm i just this year backed uh an indigenous created rpg called coyote and crow and yeah, that was same. To, did you yeah. yeah so but like <laughs> one of the things that i loved about it is that they didn't anticipate getting the response that they did mm-hmm. and they ended up having like i can't remember what it was but it was above and beyond their goals by far yeah. and they're sitting there and they're like we we thought there was a need but this proved there was a need. So the fact yeah. that, you know, like I know um your game is going to go out on Kickstarter, right? Later this yes. year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
0: so um the weekend of you know those online which is latinx gaming's um like annual sort of event that celebrates you know latinx creators and everything mm-hmm. uh i will be like doing a uh one shot of emerald templars on the you know front page of twitch and everything like that so yeah. on that same weekend emerald Templars is going to launch on kickstarter uh so that if people are are interested hopefully they'll be interested and uh they <laughs> will be able to like you know contribute and back it and and everything so yeah, yeah
1: yeah but like what a cool way to get the community involved in like supporting so like even if you're not a creator yourself you know you can still support these creators yeah doing these projects so yeah that's it's that's a great. game changer
0: for sure because before it'd be like loans or you know uh, yeah. trying to find investors but be, be being beholden to what they want you know from the sort of uh product so it's a huge game changer yeah
1: yeah yeah that's awesome so what um what would you like to see more of in the gaming community as far as things that would help improve representation, um, obviously, like more stories and more characters but like what else. Uh,
0: I think it'd be more well thankfully the Community is moving in a positive direction uh, at this time, which is awesome because people because mm-hmm. uh, we have access to social media now you know and yeah and. Uh, before there would be like whistleblowers or something like that, but you it wouldn't reach the masses and we wouldn't hear about it. But nowadays, um, if a company is doing something horrible or if a group of people are doing something horrible, everyone can sort of broadcast it. Uh, and then we can make our own decisions and opinions as we see like the facts and information, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And then we understand who are, uh, who are not worthy of our time and attention and financial support and all that kind of stuff, and who are, you know? So Mm -hmm. it goes the opposite way. So for super, super indie small companies, they can be like, we have this product, we put our heart and soul into it, here's what it's about and we need this thing. And the community can band together and be able to rise up and and not only emotionally support them, but financially support them and get them what they need, just Mm -hmm. like Coyote and Crow or Into the Motherlands or any of these other uh, like POC created projects. And that's what I really want to see, sort of more of, is uh, that that more of unity, you know, and be able mm-hmm. to, because um, there's a there's always people doing this stuff, but there's they they might not be seen or heard of, uh, so being able to get these big um, verified sort of users on their social media accounts and being able to bring the uh, light and attention to these like smaller creators, you know, and get them to, to help out. So uh, yeah, I think we're moving in the right direction as like a sort of community, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to regards to like Twitch or AAA games and all that kind of stuff, that's gonna be a harder battle because that's like something out, a little bit outside of our control, you know, but mm-hmm. at least as a community, we're already banding together to make great change. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um- so it seems like what you really like what you really want to see is not just more um more of these characters and representation but actually more people on the creative side right so like people yeah like more diversity in the people that are bringing us these games
0: exactly because one of the things that 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 always like kind of upsets me is if a game uh or anything or any aspect uses like mesoamerican sort of lore or mm-hmm. you know a latinx code of characters or, or anything like that uh in the writer's room i would love to, for there to be someone from that culture to be able to be like mm-hmm. well here's my perspective and here's what i can see needs to be approved upon or like you know x y and z because if you don't have that voice you're missing the mark you know or the potential for you to miss the mark is is quite high so like uh having a very diverse um writer's room uh would help tremendously for you know exposure and and getting mm-hmm. things sort of like right when it comes to these other cultures that you may not be a part of you know because just because you're a personal person of color doesn't mean you know everything about everyone else's sort of culture because like especially for me being you know chicano i don't even know the perspective of someone from like straight blown like full-blown mexico uh Mm -hmm. or anything else you know i can only speak about my sort of culture of being mexican-american and uh yeah
1: yeah and that puts you in a really interesting spot because i know you said earlier like you weren't you know with your friends you weren't white enough to be like white with your friends, but you weren't really like Mexican enough either. So it was like this weird, I I hear that a lot about like Asian Americans as well, or like any Mm -hmm. kind of like those blended identities where they feel like they're, they're separate and somehow stuck in the middle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I I think that um, for me, that raises a point about um, how much different underrepresented groups have in common with each other. So even Mm -hmm. though we all come from different perspectives and different um cultures and like for me like i'm white as they come but i am also very gay so like that yeah. is a whole other subculture of its own yeah. and and when you start talking to all these people that are from these different sort of like underrepresented Marginalized groups, groups yeah yeah we we all have stuff in common with each other like on an mm-hmm. emotional level the experiences that we have the kinds of discrimination we deal with and so yeah um to me the projects that you do and like just trying to improve diversity in these spaces benefits everyone yeah yeah being
0: able to yeah being able to uh look at sort of what's missing from the community and be able to try to fill that gap uh is already leaps and bounds better than than not even trying at all you know Mm because uh yeah because it's it's because a cousin of mine from a very early age uh we all like knew that he was uh gay But he didn't come out until like about high school or so but the whole time we all loved him and supported him no matter you know his choices and everything like that and uh and that was like like in the like 2000s and all that kind of stuff where the the mainstream opinion on lgbtq uh like relationships or anything like Mm -hmm. that was still so like like uh Mm -hmm. conservative and everything so um i always look back to that because there would be because there would be other like more conservative family members um, that would make certain jokes or make certain like, you know, uh, weird sort of quips and all that kind of stuff. And it never sat yeah. right with me or my family, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So as an adult, I never, ever want my child or anyone from my family or anyone that I love to go through that feeling. So the only way to change that is to like normalize these sort of things in whatever way we can. And media is such an important aspect of our of our culture, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, like there's been leaps and bounds of, of you know, uh, like progressiveness because of shows and, and because of like stories or games that tell these like, you know, perspectives and everything like that. So we just need to keep leaning in to make sure those stories are being heard. So that way the next generation doesn't have to go through so much trauma that like we went through essentially, so yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: leaving the world a better place for the people that are coming after us, right?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, you are such a dad. Can I just say that? <laughs> you are such a dad. <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> um with that I mean this is all super interesting already so um I think it's time to take another quick break and when we come back I definitely want to talk more about emerald Templars so sure, um yeah. If, yeah okay awesome so everyone else see you in a, in a, see you in a moment
0: get ready to quit the build. Hey, this is Nick from quit the build. If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're into video games. And if you're like me, then you're having a tough time keeping up with all the gaming news coming at you. Our podcast quit the build is all about condensing the news into an entertaining weekly podcast that never takes more than an hour of your time. Get your gaming news the fun way with quit the build with new episodes every Wednesday at quitthebuild.com or wherever you get podcasts.
1: We're back on replay and we're about to hear more from D'Angelo about um, his new tabletop RPG, Emerald Templars, that's going to be coming out on Kickstarter later this year. Uh, so, first of all, I guess just talk to me about Emerald Templars. Like, where did the idea come from? What was the inspiration? Um, yeah, let's start there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is something that I have, uh, like, homebrewed for a long time, probably around, like, 2012 or so. Oh, wow. with my home. Yeah, with my home groups and everything like that, I never ever thought like I would ever make it into an, a, uh, a its own unique system. Um, you know, it, all, it was just like something that I like my original storyline and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I've I've always been a huge fan of uh, H.P. Lovecraft, you know, uh, where it's like that Lovecraftian (laughs) sort of like eldritch horror where death is the kindest thing that can happen to you in those stories, like otherwise insanity or like, you know, becoming some weird monster (laughs) and all that. Yeah. So, uh, and I always brought that sort of into my own media. And not only with that, uh, uh, not only that, but I also wanted to make the world more inclusive because when I picked up Dungeons and Dragons with fourth edition, it still had those deep seated sort of Lord of the Rings vibes where, yeah. uh, anything that was like Brown or anything that was like another culture were like savages and they were, uh, like always evil. They had no depth or no character and everything like that. They never sat right with me because specifically mm-hmm. for, for, Dungeons and Dragons, there's a, uh, a race called the Yanti, which were snake people. And they were mm-hmm. heavily influenced by like Mayan and Aztec sort of, uh, like culture oh, with ritual sacrifices. That. Yeah. And then various like temples and everything like that. And they were always evil and always, you know, super uh. weird. And that, that never <laughs> sat right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I made the world of Emerald Templars uh like dark fantasy, but also merged in a lot of inclusion, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's actually like a matriarchy and sort of a patriarchy. So all the the major leaders in the world were were women, and not only that, but like, you know, same-sex relationships were totally cool and normalized, and like uh, you know, trans heroes were also like like just normal as well and everything. And and all races um in or all, all species in the game uh could be whatever you know morality that that you wanted them to be like moral alignment so they didn't there was nothing like you always have to be evil or you always have to be good like uh and just flipped a lot of things on on its head and the like the more and more i started getting spiteful and bitter about like the mainstream sort of like tabletop rpg like vibe the more Mm -hmm. i started leading into more inclusivity and more diversity uh to what it is sort of like today we're in emerald templars um orcs for example uh are like some of the best chefs in the in the world and not only that but they um, understood that they had like a very big problem and issue with with rage and and anger sort of issues so mm-hmm. in response to that as a culture and a community they worked heavily on mental health and awareness and became like the first therapist and sort of normalizing therapy oh. for yeah for the I like. Love
1: that. <laughs> yeah
0: because if you think about it yeah if you think about it being in a fantasy setting these are people who are going into the depths of the earth to like fight like undead and seeing horrible monsters that's yeah. ptsd that's trauma you know so oh like my God. You can't, yeah so you can't just like come out of that being like oh i'm not affected at all you know like uh there's there's a lot oh of stuff God. that's going yeah, yeah so in look, the game i'm like yeah. thinking
1: about like in, in i don't know like in D D how there's, there's the running jokes right about like oh you have a tragic backstory whatever and it's like yeah. okay but you actually would <laughs> if mm-hmm. you were in this world because you're right like that the events that are normalized in those kinds of adventures would Cause real people a lot of PTSD. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: (laughs) and it's it's a big emphasis on like uh, you're not like a major superhero that that can withstand anything. You're you're immortal. You know, you you um, have vulnerabilities and weaknesses and and vices. You know, so Mm -hmm. there's all these sort of things and that kind of adds to your character. Not only that, but but whatever your species is doesn't mean that that's what you are like full blown because there's also like your culture of where you come from. So there are different places in the world. Like for example, for me. I am Mexican-American, but I'm a Mexican-American in Phoenix, Arizona. So my experiences and knowledge and skill sets are, are might be different from someone who's in Nebraska or New York or anything like yeah. that, you know. So you get different bene- benefits and bonuses uh, for being in different places to help with that inclusion of like just because you might be an orc or a centaur or what have you. Uh, uh Your experiences are different from another orc or centaur, depending mm-hmm. on where you grew up and everything like that. Um, And, and yeah, so it's, it's like that, that refreshing feeling on the fantasy sort of like genre, um, that I'm trying to bring to the table.
1: I love that. What else, um, what are some of the features of your game that make it unique compared to other games?
0: Yeah. So, uh, there's a few things. So, so obviously like there's, there's going to be, uh, the species, which are, mostly like like there's no elves there's no dwarves or anything like that mm. there are humans uh, which i like reluctantly put in there um <laughs> but there there are like all these different sort of fantasy races like the risen for example are undead they're like imagine undead but they're all sugar skulls essentially like think of coco and that's like yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh and they have their own experiences and their own sort of like uh deals and everything that way you can play something that that's not you so you get a glimmer of uh, uh of what it's like to be sort of different you know yeah. and um And as you're going through this sort of world, the Emerald Templars in general, like the lore of it is that, uh, magic is extremely chaotic there um, because it was gifted Mm. to them uh, by the gods to help them out to be able to you know make their land prosperous and make their things easier and everything uh but unfortunately it got abused and the world is like forever changed because of it uh where there's necromancy demonology you know uh, places in the world time is messed up and is in a loop constantly and all this sort of stuff Mm -hmm. so the emerald templars are essentially the the concerned citizens who band together to take down these tyrants uh, who are abusing magic and are able to uh, protect the world. And But it's not always so clear cut like, where they're heroes, mm-hmm. where some people have committed grievous crimes and it's either they get executed, exiled, or they join the Emerald Templars to like help their community and serve them. And they choose to do that yeah other people have been honor bound being like because you saved my family every generation the oldest you know son or daughter will join the emerald templars to serve you guys or Mm -hmm. they need funding for like you know the college or whatever and they're like i'll join the emerald templars for two years and you'll pay for all of my you know stuff or whatever my god like the military
1: thing (laughs) exactly yeah
0: so that's like so it's one of those things and uh but the world that they kind of like are in is there's a lot of rumors from every corner of the known world that that weird stuff is starting to rise again. So uh, they're actually like heavily needed. But because of so many years of peace, they're kind of um, disorganized and like weaker, you know, so it's a so it adds like sort of agency to the to the world. And um, every place is influenced by a real life culture. So there's uh, a place that's influenced by, you know, Japanese uh, and Korean sort of like, history, folklore, and everything like that. Another one is Mesoamerican and like Irish and Scottish sort of lore and all these different things that aren't normally seen in the mainstream fantasy sort of genre. So even the weapons, you know, when you think of fantasy, you always think of a long sword and a like, you know, a, uh, you know, whatever. But in here, there's a kopesh and like which are curved blaze or Qatar, which is a uh an Indian sort of hand dagger and uh all these sort of different things that are uh you know capable and competent you know so it should give players a refreshing experience for their tabletop adventures and the game Mm -hmm. itself is powered by cortex rpg uh which is a very easy system to use so Mm -hmm. it's not going to be like a dungeon dragon experience where it's super rules heavy and you have to like uh combat's going to take like an hour combat might take you know 10 minutes at the max and then that way oh. you get to move on and the story gets to yeah uh, gets to move forward so it's um it should be a refreshing experience for for new players you know in all regards yeah. and uh yeah
1: yeah i i know um like i noticed in there you said there's like a stress mechanic
0: yes so
1: it does that replace health like how does that work
0: yeah so uh, there's no health bar um in emerald templars what it is it's like five i believe uh stress uh meters which one is your sanity the other one is your anxiety anger exhaustion and then physical Uh, so physical would be just your your physical form you know anxiety is obviously your anxiety and your nervousness and and concern and everything uh and anger is your temperament and then sanity is uh your your grip on reality and what you know is to be real and and, you know all that so uh, when you're facing things in the world uh, it, you don't necessarily always have to fear physical threats. Like you may mm-hmm. be attacked in in other ways. So. Uh, yeah, because in Emerald Templars, it's all sorts of wild and weird. Where, like, I because of my culture, Day of the Dead is a very big aspect where um, the undead aren't seen as evil or or mean and creepy. They're loved ones who have passed on, and every like every day of the dead, they come back to visit their loved ones, and you go to their grave and put down what they loved most. And then they uh, will enjoy that. So you have like so it's a very peaceful, loving relationship mm-hmm. with death and everything. So in Emerald Templars, it's very similar to that, where it's the spirit world in the mortal realm uh, will shift as the seasons go on. Like the spirits might be uh, more able to like cross over and like you know see people and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of um, adds a whole experience. So uh, yeah, so there's it's the game isn't always going to have. It, where a physical death is the worst thing that can happen to you. It could be where you just like become so ang- uh, anxious that you freeze up or you become so angry that you abandon everyone or, you know, oh, what wow. have you. Yeah, so that also, which is really cool because the way you relieve that is by your various skill sets because you're not just like, a paladin and that's it you kill things uh you could be like a paladin who on his off time is a carpenter or is a musician or is like Uh. whatever so that way when you're at the camp and you're like i'm seeing that you guys are stressed out so let me do go ahead and try to play you music to be able to like you know chill you out or like you know on on the side i'm a therapist so let me go and talk to like you know one of you guys to to like you know help you guys out through this and uh that way it it, it helps out, you know, and in, in making your character more than just a murder machine, uh, yeah. but a more f- <laughs> like full-blown person, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool.
1: Why, why or like what inspired including that like stress, like mechanic, that whole system?
0: I think it's because um, for me, in the, in the Latino community or Latinx community, um, a lot of us had like youthful experiences where mental health was kind of... Um, demonize or sort of look Mm -hmm. down upon you know you you were a man and you gotta like just work and work and work and work and work and if you show any sort of weakness then you are you know a sissy or you know what have you um and as I got older and the world started getting more progressive and especially when being exposed to like eastern literature or video games where male vulnerability was more prominent you know you saw Mm -hmm. people cry more and it was okay to admit you know failures or feelings um I started to recognize that like Um, a lot of the problems that i have and a lot of people like my peers have are a lot of mental health issues uh -hmm. where feelings of inadequacy or like you know uh unresolved trauma or any of these sort of things that that are still lingering on you and can't get resolved unless you actually address you know uh what's going on inside of yourself like inside of your soul inside of your mind and uh, I wanted to add that into Emerald Templars to sort of showcase that like, it's okay. You, you need to take a break. Like you need to like address these things and have your characters sort of like uh, chill out and decompress um, through the mediums that they are most affected by and talk health in a healthy manner with someone about this sort of stuff uh, to help encourage the next generation and uh, modern gamers that it's okay to admit that like, I was scared in that moment. I have regrets. Like I, you know, Uh, I was weak of will and, and I feel like it's my fault. And then for them to, you know, chat about it and be like, no, you're, it's not your fault at all, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then like, to sort of normalize that, like, you know, uh, aspects that, uh, a lot of modern gamers may not, uh, feel comfortable with at this moment. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because your system has, um, Like, it sounds like mechanically, it has ways to like alleviate those stresses or the anxieties. And there are things that people actually do as coping mechanisms to like deal with those in real life. And I think that's, to me, that's really unique. I don't know of any other systems other than maybe like the Lovecraft, like Cthulhu-based ones that really deal with sanity at all. Mm
0: -hmm. And on
1: those, it's mostly a one-way slider. Like, you just get closer and closer to insanity. Exactly. there's not really a way to fix it. (laughs) Yeah yeah so i think that's great that i I, mental health is really important to me as well so it's i think it's great that that's part of your message is that it's okay to be a little bit unstable and to have those insecurities (laughs) yeah
0: because the strongest warriors the only way you can succeed is to address you know uh these these issues you know that's all mm because if you don't address this you're going to get to a breaking point and you're going to bleed on other players essentially emotionally and uh and yeah so it's a mechanic you constantly have to keep in check that kind of uh, humbles, you know, people mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, I may be able to slay a dragon, uh, but like, I still have these issues that I need to resolve and and all that. So, um, yeah, hopefully the message gets across and uh, people enjoy <laughs> it, you know, because it's it feels refreshing. Like I, like you said, I haven't experienced uh, another tabletop RPG that deals with it in in this sort of like way. So, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I love that. I love that. What um, what do you hope that people will get out of playing Emerald Templars?
0: Yeah, so I hope that they. One, obviously, with the mental health, uh, like awareness that they understand that um, seeking help or leaning on others is okay, you know, for an emotional thing, you know, if you're, if you're sick or hurt, you go to the doctor, but if you're not doing well mentally, uh, it's okay to check in with other people and seek professional help. uh, Because they are the ones that can help you the most uh, through these sort of issues and all that. But not only that, but going for the cultural aspect, I want people to I hope that people will appreciate the beauty of other cultures um, like Egyptian and Middle Eastern or, you know, Japanese, Korean, Irish, Scottish and all these things that because what we're exposed to uh, on mainstream media is just a small little little bit from what it actually is. And every culture is so beautiful with this music and food and like aesthetics and all and great warriors and all that kind of stuff and everything. Uh, that I really want them to be exposed to that. So that way that the notion that that like European centric sort of stuff is like the end all be all for for content mm-hmm. is kind of like shattered. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like, it's wonderful in its own right. But every, all the other cultures are also just as amazing if not more so, and I want people to, to be able to see that. And um, uh, yeah, and, I, and I'd love for people to pick up this RPG and play with their friends and feel represented and seen and heard from, you know, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And that way they don't look through the pages and artwork and be like, I don't see a single person who's brown or like has freckles or like who is uh, who who might be like differently abled or whatever. Like I want them to all feel like included and uh, and yeah, so.
1: I That's really cool. What is so your comment about art just like makes me think of like, how are you approaching getting like the art assets and stuff for the book?
0: Yeah, so uh what I've done uh, previously is I would go into like Reddit to direct various things which for to find indie artists and then to mm-hmm. kind of work with them. And I always want to be upfront with people and be like uh I'm commissioning you for artwork. I'm coming out with the Tabletop RPG, you know, what's your not only your regular fee but what's your commercial fee? Like what cuz I want to use this in this book and I want to credit you for this and everything. Yeah. And a lot of people have been so uh like welcoming and warm about it and put their heart and soul into to making it all kind of stuff and like that way I can have something to go off of to show people that like this is real like here's some concept (laughs) ideas, you know. Uh, but it's getting to a point now where I, I actually need funding to get, like, you know, the cover designed all Because, unfortunately, a lot of people do judge books by, by its cover, you know. Yep. So, yeah, I need to get something that's a banger, you know, that's, like, super, super cool. <laughs> that will require money because I always want to pay people fairly. Uh, and I do have a lot of friends who are artists, and I would never, ever, ever ask them for a discount or anything like that. I want Absolutely. to pay them, you know, what they are asking for or more. So uh, when it comes to art... And uh, the writing for it because like I I've can I've made like a majority of the world, but I'm leaving things open uh, for people from different cultures to come in and be like, you know, this is my culture and I would love to write about folklore and things that I love about my culture, you know, here's oh, the food that they would cool. eat, you know yeah here's different things you know to add and here's like scary stories that that we grew up with and everything it's like all right let's you know let's add this to the book you know that way other people from your culture will be able to see it and be like oh that's actually like oh my god they have this aspect you know yeah. uh in it so yeah but like i always i'm asking everyone uh what their fee is and if they try to say like i'll do it for free or i'll do it for like a super low thing i'm like no and i like <laughs> find whatever the industry standard is and then like go like a few cents above it um to make sure that i'm paying people like more because i found out recently that apparently in the tabletop rpg community for uh like writers Mm -hmm. they get paid like three cents or five cents per word uh for the thing which is like yeah and i i had mine yeah exactly so my my base price is uh, 10 cents per word. And I thought I was undercutting like everyone. I was like, oh my God, I feel so horrible about this. But I'm like, oh my God, I'm like double for what other people. Yeah, like,
1: like double triple, yeah. like, damn.
0: Exactly, which it probably should be higher. But like, uh, so like that's my my basis is paying people more. Like the whole platform is about getting very talented people who are unseen, unrepresented and like uh, misunderstood being able to give them the platform and time and space to be able to create what they've always wanted to sort of create and Aww. everything. So. Yeah, it's a labor of love and hopefully it resonates with people and they they enjoy it. Yeah.
1: What kind of um, like art direction are you giving the artists like are you telling them like I want certain things checked off to make sure that they're visually represented?
0: Yeah, it's like it's it's somewhat, you know, I'm I'm always trying to like the main uh, focus is to, because if you open a lot of other tabletop RPG books and look through the art, a majority of it is going to be very light-skinned sort of characters, mm-hmm. you know, because dwarves and elves and humans and all that kind of stuff are typically light-skinned. Uh, so in this book, um, they're going to be more POC facing. They're going to be more differently able. because I would love, it's not in the book yet. So I want to go on record about that, but I'm trying to get, <laughs> Uh, like like rules created and things for accessibility sort of stuff. So I want people who have sort of, uh, are wheelchair bound or are like, you know, whatever to feel also very competent and very capable and it's not a hindrance. It's actually just another like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, feature aspect of their sort of thing. Um, How so. Cool. Yeah. So I'm trying to, to work with every artist to be like, I want a powerful woman to be here and I want them to do this thing. I want, you know, an orc to be a therapist, you know, to to shatter the the norms of what we understand as fantasy and it's uh, uh, and present it in this new light. So, yeah.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the art that's coming out <laughs> of it because I'm like, I'm, I'm all about this. This sounds so great.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, what advice would you give to others that are trying to create this kind of change so if it's other I don't know other creators that might have stories they want to tell or even if it's just other just other people in general what what advice would you share.
0: yeah absolutely there's a there's a couple things so one uh, this advice is like um, tried intrude my mother always told my sister and I about it. Uh, and that was uh, in life, whenever you're presented with a situation, it's either a hell yes or a no, don't settle for maybe kind of sort of okay, you know, mm-hmm. it just it's either going to be a hell yes or no, if it's whether it be really, you know, relationships, business, friendships, uh, any of those sort of things, like uh, you owe it to yourself to only go with the best options. And if it's not the best option or is going to serve you, uh, then you've just got to like, you know, move on, you know, because it's mm-hmm. going to be a waste of your time, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's so true uh especially as a freelance writer or what have you because time is so precious because we can always make more money there will always be more opportunities there will all be more friends and all that kind of stuff but we can't get back time uh mm. so yeah and then the other thing is just um uh, no one can really do what you can do, so you really need to lean in on yourself. You know, like yeah. I can't be like Matt Mercer, who's like super huge in the tabletop RPG community, or like uh, be Dave Walters or anything like that. But I can be the best D'Angelo Murillo that I can be. You know, yeah. and then uh, and and yeah. So everyone has a story to tell, and it deserves to be told because it will resonate with others. And, uh, um, yeah, you're beautiful and brilliant and and all of these different <laughs> things. So yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for that message. Um, I just want to for myself, uh, I I would add that if you don't have a platform to tell your story, um, there's people out there that will help you do it. So like you were talking about lifting up indie writers that haven't had an opportunity to tell their stories, like there are going to be opportunities out there for you. This community is great for that. So, um, yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. Um, well, and unfortunately we kind of have to bring this episode to a close. So I, I just want to leave off, like, do you have any final messages that you want to get out there to, to the audience today?
0: Uh, yeah, I would just say like, um, always fight for inclusion and diversity because it'll only make our communities better, uh, like wholeheartedly and the next generation um, won't have to struggle as much as we did, you know, with what we had to go through for, um, all aspects of life, you know, relationships, gaming, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, just be the best yourself you can be essentially. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think, um, what I would also add to that is, is earlier you said something about like, Creating the world that you want to see. And I think that that resonates not just as a writer, um, but as a person, the choices that we make every single day. And um, for me, especially, inclusion is also a huge part of my message. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and talking more specifically about your own uh, perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you giving me the platform and space to do so. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All right. um, So To all the listeners out there, um, check out the show notes because I'm going to have a bunch of fun links to stuff that D'Angelo is working on um, and some of the games that we talked about today. Uh, and thanks for hanging out with us. This, this has been great.
0: <laughs> oh, Absolutely.
1: Thanks for listening. I'll be back again soon with another episode. You can find episodes of Replay and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co replay is a vmg original and is created hosted and produced by clara mount the show's executive produced by jb adams and gerard mitchell with sound design by anna hughes and original music by bison it's the mission of victor media group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite social channels and check out Bison's other tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. Extra special thanks to all my listeners for hanging out with us today. Keep on playing and remember, you're always welcome at this game table.